Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello, it's great to be with you. Today, we want to talk about the value of retreats. And this is a spiritual practice that's big around here at the Contemplative Life. And so it seemed important to talk about why that is. And I'm intentionally using the word practice as it relates to retreats. Well, I think it's wonderful to have a one-off experience where you go away and have a retreat. And I would encourage anyone to do that. I think having a regular practice of retreats, for me personally, has been a key practice over probably 15 years. And when I look back on that rhythm, I can see the collective value of that in my life. By way of background, I first started practicing contemplative retreats back when I heard a lecture on the value of silence and solitude retreats. And that was a newer concept for me. And this lecturer was describing going away for 24 hours by yourself. And so I thought, I'm going to give it a try. So I Googled monastery nearby and went and tried it out. And I will say I am an introvert. I love alone time, but it was like, oh my gosh, like 24 hours was long. And by the end of it, I thought, get me people, get me noise, get me the things. And yet at the same time, I thought, you know what, there seems to be something about this that I want to lean into and to practice. And so I decided once a year, I was going to do a solitude silence that grew into maybe I could do twice a year and expand that. And I remember one time going to this retreat center and The first one I went to was very extreme. Nobody talked. It was like a bunch of monks that had vows of silence. And so it was pretty intimidating. The second time I did it, I was by myself, but I brought bins full of journals. I'm a journaler. And so for decades I've journaled and I just spent the day just reflecting on journals from the past. And it was this beautiful practice that I did onto kind of my current experience of retreats personally and leading retreats. And so I can get more into some of my practices a little bit later in the podcast. But as I bring up this idea of the value of retreats, I'm curious for you, Chris and Christina, how this has played out in your own life. I think for me, it's played out in a number of different ways. But I think just like you, Christina Roberts, sharing about this being a practice, I too have learned the value of a practice of going on retreat. And I think for me, the value, one of the values is coming away from your natural rhythm, the rhythm of your life, and going to a time that is set apart. The retreat is something that isn't part of your daily routine, the daily grind, whatever it is that you want to talk about your rhythm, however you want to describe that. And so for me, where I first started trying retreat, a lot of it was just like I was mostly sleeping. I found that my body needed to get caught up on rest. And so I would take naps. I would I would go to bed early and sleep late. And so for me, one of the things that I noticed about retreat was a time of deep rest. Like my body needed the space to just recoup and to realign. And so whenever you talk about the value of retreats, and the practice of it, deep rest is one of the things that comes to me, as well as just stepping away from your normal routines and practices. Yeah, I am so team retreat. I love them. And I think when we first, when I first was introduced to the concept of retreats, they were a little different than what we're describing here, right? They would be more like 
conferences. There was a guest speaker, you came, there might be three talks in a day, you took a lot of notes, and then there would be also time for play or time for just soaking in the presence of God. But it was mixed in with this other stuff. And then came this introduction to contemplative retreat where there's so much space and not much is required of you. For me, this allows me to bring in all this creative stuff that maybe I don't get to pull in all day long. So I get very excited about having colored pencils or paper or a journal, and I think this varies. Like I have a, a friend of mine who she talks about being an extrovert and going on her first silent retreat, and she brought all the things, like many things, so that she would have all this ocu- occupied time. And of course, it didn't work out that way. It wasn't about doing all the things, and she was, slowly was guided through this process of what it means to take space and to really breathe. But there's nothing like it for me, this experience of feeling like things connect I hear more clearly a lot of times. And I know that there's the possibility for that not to be the case. Like maybe you just fall asleep. But these become huge times of revelation for me and feeling like things get sorted out that I just couldn't, when I was busy, I couldn't really think, I couldn't see the forest for the trees. And I think we're beginning to name here that there's different types of retreats. So I appreciate you, Christina, naming that this isn't where you're necessarily listening to a bunch of speakers and getting information, but it is more the spaciousness. But within that, it could be silent. It could be individual. It could be communal retreats, body-centered retreats. There's all different ways in which one can do retreats. There's not one right way or wrong way to do a retreat. I think for me, I was experiencing, so like I mentioned, I had started annually and then twice a year. And then I went to quarterly when actually my life was getting busier. My workloads and stresses were increasing. I just felt like I need that quarterly rhythm to have it in my calendar and know I'm going to have a day away where I can just rest and be and kind of disconnect from some of that stuff. And then after we adopted our second child and it was even more intense, I actually had a season of, I think it was like every other month type of a thing that I did. And I felt that increase since then I've backed away from that and maybe gone more to the quarterly or a few times a year, but interesting too, just that sometimes our life demands or not demands, it's a strong word. Sometimes our life invites us to step away in different patterns and frequencies. And I think, again, practices ebb and flow, as we talk a lot about on the podcast here, there's seasonal aspects to it. But I think for me, having an intentionality that retreat is just part of my spiritual health, just like I also go to the dentist several times a year and I do my physical and there's things that I do in my life that are just really important for my well-being. To me, retreats is one of those. I appreciate you mentioning that, just the variedness of retreats and how that we might have different seasons where we're drawn to retreat for different reasons. And there's this really odd passage in scripture about Elijah. Elijah was this sort of prophet type figure, and I think he was away from his home base. And I think to some degree he had been on the run a little bit, but then I think he's trying to be led by God. And he finds himself falling asleep in this cave and waking up and wanting to know what's next. It's, it's said that he went outside and there was a fire, and, but God wasn't in the fire. And he, there was a wind, but God wasn't in the wind. And then it says there was this still small voice. And sometimes that's translated as like deep silence. And... Um, God was in the silence for Elijah. And I find that to be true in my own life. There's a famous saying that says, God has a language and that language is silence. And I find that whenever I'm on retreat and I'm 
in silence, I hear things that I don't normally hear. And I become aware in ways that maybe I might have been a little bit myopic in my own life looking at a situation. But I think for me, silence allows me the opportunity to step back and maybe to take a wider view of my life. Yeah, I love the different ways in which we practice retreats. And I would say too, as someone who meets with different retreatants, I actually am a spiritual companion at a local monastery here. And hearing the different reasons that people go on retreat, it does vary. Sometimes it's wisdom seeking. Some, sometimes you go on retreat because you're really in a season of trying to, to discern, to understand wisdom. Sometimes it's burnout. You just you need to you need to rest you need to get refreshed and sometimes it's creative play like you're saying i would say those are the three main areas when whenever we talk about retreat and meeting with different retreatants those are the staples of what people are looking for as they go on retreat so i appreciate what both of you have named so far and i have to say and i know it's not even quite conventional christina you were talking about times in your life where oh i needed to up this i need to increase this and there's ebbs and flows and there were moments in life where I would just block off the afternoon, lock the door to my office, <laughs> and be like, I'm not here. And it's not the same, right, as if I get to go to a monastery and I get to walk these beautiful trails and I get to go walk into a labyrinth and I get, maybe there's like icons or something for me to look at. That It's not the same as any of that. But it still is not the same as people continuously bombarding me. And so sometimes I would just say, I won't be available from one to four or whatever. And I locked the door and I like got on the floor instead of being at my desk. <laughs> and we'll see how long getting on the floor is possible throughout life. But still, and that was what it was. And it was meaningful and I needed it. And if I couldn't get away, at least I could have this. So mini retreat. And that's important to name. I think that the idea is that if it's a rhythm, it's accessible to us. And so I've leaned into a lot of half day retreats too, where I'm taking the morning and doing retreat. And it doesn't have to be that you're going to a monastery. Maybe it's a walk outside and then going to a favorite cafe or something and journaling. Or again, to your point, Chris, something out of the ordinary that we're doing, but it doesn't have to be the ideal ultimate thing. But how is it accessible and how is it meeting what I'm needing in a little bit more deeper reflective way? Because I think sometimes too, or at least in my experience, I'll read a book and think, oh, I want to go back to that book someday. Or there was an interesting podcast and I want to reflect on that or whatever. And then I don't because life goes on and there's more that comes at me where oftentimes like I will in retreat, no, actually, these are some things that I want to, I said, I wanted to think about it, and I actually do want to think about it. And I need some chunks of time where I can go deeper into that. So again, I think we're naming that there's so much different variety around that and it's been fun for me to be on the other end now of facilitating retreats because I think my first experience at that monastery where nobody was talking, it was only bells and they were like scooting your food to you through this window. It was like a pretty high bar intense for me. And so I thought, I don't want this to be other people's experience of contemplative retreats because I think that we do need some stepping stones or some guidance towards that. And so it's just been fun over the years to develop different types of retreats and noticing how people engage and what they need to engage, whether it's the play you're mentioning, Chris, or the wisdom seeking, et cetera. And 
to offer the variety has just been really a fun aspect of what we do here at the center as well. Yeah, and I'd say one other thing that I think is as people are thinking about retreat, one of the things that could be helpful is maybe thinking ahead, what would I like to do? But also the danger of that is you create expectation for yourself. And so retreat can be this this thing that you lift up in your mind or your expectation and then you go and it actually becomes struggle because of the expectation. And so I think holding both of those things very lightly, number one, create a plan for what it is that you think would best suits you on a retreat, but also hold it very lightly. Don't create expectations. Just be open to what comes. And I find that to be very helpful in retreats. And that's very fair. I'm glad you're saying that because you're right. I do think a lot of times too, myself or others do go in with that. And it's, that just goes out the window. Christina, to your point of the person that brought all the things. And I think sometimes we might feel nervous. It's like, how am I going to fill the time or what am I going to do on this retreat? And so we feel like we have to have all the stuff And it's, you know what, we don't need that. And it's amazing that when we're there and present in the moment, sometimes it is to your point, let's take the nap or meander around the library or go on a walk that we weren't expecting. And that's just what we need. So it can be simple. And I think sometimes too, then integrating it, sometimes it is simple. And maybe in the moment, it's not, oh my gosh, I just felt like I had this mountaintop experience. Maybe it was just like what we needed and we just needed a couple hours away and then that actually bleeds into our everyday life. It's integrated. It's sustainable. It's not, I think, again, maybe the old conference model or like you go on these like high intense experiences, these mountaintop spiritual things. And then it's like the dip down and what you experienced in that crowd and with those people just does not translate in the everyday life. That's the, we were youth pastors for a number of years. And it was always like you had the hypey youth trip in the summer. And then it was like, wah, wah, wah. where I would rather have, to your point, Chris, small, little, sustainable, simple retreats that then sustain us for the long haul versus the highs and lows necessarily as well. So I, I do appreciate you saying that balance. I do too. I'm really sensitive to what we were talking about a moment ago around creating that accessibility that we don't just jump into the deep end and feel like, oh, I don't know where I am. I don't know what's going on. And I am really amazed sometimes how it all works. I mentioned before, I like to bring a blank page in colors and see what happens. That might give people the impression that I'm any good at it. I'm not. I feel like my drawings are very childlike, but they have meaning and (laughs) symbolism to me. But I've been amazed at how it could be a five-minute time like that. It could be 20 minutes. It could be two hours. And all of them have a level of something happened here, no matter how much time it was. But if I had two hours, I maybe got really detailed and intricate about the color in a way that wasn't possible in five minutes. But they all had a meaning. I've often introduced some sort of exercise like this to people, and they'll start with, it's a blank page. What do you want me to do with this? Like all this anxiety starts to rise up and retreat can have that feeling of it's a blank page. You've given me two hours to go off on my own and do whatever I want or something. And then there's this surprise delightedness that comes when something did come. I felt sometimes it's like I felt dumb, right? Giving this a shot, but something did come and I felt love and connection and care. And I think that's meaningful to us. There's so much of our day that's not related to us connecting to ourselves or us connecting to the divine. And this just opens that opportunity for us. Yeah. And I think I'll just mention too, I think a lot of times to your point, Christina, we take ourselves too seriously. And I think have a sense of play as you go on retreat. 
In fact, one of my favorite poets, Lee Young Lee, has a beautiful poem about retreat. I think it's titled something like Reflections from an Amateur Mystic. And he talks about bringing your sacred readings and make sure that you have your charger for your iPad because you don't want your readings to disappear because your iPad dies. And just the journal, the book, and the creative pens. And then he says, a donkey for all your shit. But it's this invitation to not take yourself too seriously as you want to engage in this practice of retreat. And I think also just noting again with the seasons, I've, I love sometimes just being by myself on retreat, but then also there's times where either engaging in the retreat community, oftentimes there's brochures and there's prayer times, and I would never go to any of those things. But then like several years back, I'm like, you know what? I'm curious. And I think I do want to check that out. And I remember this experience where um, they were actually, they had a singing time and then they sat in silence for 20 minutes and they like dim the lights and they had some candles going after the singing. And you could just feel just this peaceful, amazing presence with people who have done this for decades and writing off of their experience. And so we were qu quiet, but it was very communal in that moment. And it was very profound for me. Also, I think having retreats with, we plan retreats with others, maybe around a particular theme. So maybe it's last year we hosted a retreat when Mother's Day is difficult and how a lot of times the narrative around Mother's Day isn't the Hallmark card. Um, people have experienced loss or infertility or death of a mother. And so creating space for that and just what made that retreat so rich wasn't that we all went off by ourselves and prayed. We needed community to heal. We needed to share our stories with one another and have that cathartic space. And so again, I love that retreats can offer, again, the solitude that we might need, but also the beauty of community in the contemplative. Well, thank you so much for taking some time today to talk about retreats. And I do want to note that at Foundry Spiritual Center, we do offer quite a variety of retreats, some that we planned, and you can check that out at our website, foundrysc.com. But we also have this unique feature of kind of a tailor-made retreats that we do. And so we've done this a few times with people who maybe just realize, hey, I'm burning out at my work, or I just want to get some rhythms in place. So if that's you, I encourage you to reach out to us. And we have a little questionnaire that we offer with just a variety of questions to help to discern together. What is it that you're looking for in the retreat and how can we structure that appropriately? We've had people that have come for a couple of days and then from that maybe had a spiritual care plan that we've developed with them for maybe some ongoing spiritual direction practices or maybe from their other practices like going to a massage therapist or a chiropractor or a therapist, et cetera. So if that's of interest to you as well, I encourage you to check out foundrysc.com for more information. This is the part of our podcast where we talk about what we are into this week. So what are we into folks? I am into something very grown up. I think. We have been in the process of changing out the way that our water is in the house. So we've had this kind of super hard water and it's been showing itself in various ways. <laughs> so we had a water softener. It didn't seem to be doing the job. So we recently got this thing. It's a big tank. It's got a ginormous filter and it filters all the waters. So I We've been installing it and then testing the water and like noticing the differences. And the hope is that my skin will feel a lot better, my hair will feel a lot better, and it will be much healthier inside of us. But very grown up thing, I am into water systems. I'm into something similar, 
I think I was recently in a space where someone put a lot of thought into the architecture of their home. And we have been evaluating what is a, the best place for a home office. And so I am into putting thought into a comfortable, but also very functional environment. So going along with your theme, Christina. I am into handwritten notes. And lately I've just been returning back to the appreciation of having beautiful cards that one mails. And so I went to Target the other day and picked out some fun new cards with the intention of sending some more handwritten notes. And I don't know, there's just something beautiful about that old fashioned way of communicating. So that is what I am into this week. Thanks so much for joining us on today's podcast. And we look forward to next time. Make it a great week. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week.